0: ninjas calling all ninjas it's time for lime ninja radio
1: today on lime ninja radio hello and welcome to a special edition of lime ninja radio i'm your host mckay rippey and if everything is going to plan i am somewhere in bangkok right now hopefully at the palace prince hotel or is it the prince palace hotel anyway i forget which one it is What we're doing while I'm resting and recovering on my way down to the beach in Thailand is to bring you the best of Lime Ninja Radio. We've decided to dig into the archives and start a theme around the ketogenic diet because it's such a hot topic. And today we're bringing you one of my favorite interviews with Craig Emmerich. He is the author of a book called Keto, The Complete Guide to Success on the Ketogenic Diet he and his wife, Maria, have so much information out on the Internet. Just Google them. They'll really help you get started the right way. Hello, Craig. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio.
2: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm very excited to speak with you. Your wife's been on a few times telling us about the ketogenic diet and her cookbooks and now we've got the second half <laughs> of <Yeah>. the combination
2: <laughs> yeah it's been our life 100% for you know 10-12 t- years for her and about they'll pass 6-7 for me
1: now you tell a funny story in your book you talk about giving up beer <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell yeah. me a little bit about that what got you to that point
2: well you know, she, Maria just kind of led by example. She started heading down this path and, uh, researching and writing her books and understanding this lifestyle and living it herself. And I, I saw her results. I saw her get rid of her acid reflux and IBS and, you know, lose the extra weight and, and feel amazing. And that was her, you know, lead by example for me to see that as, you know, I, I want to start feeling like that. And, you know, I used to brew my own beer and all this stuff and, you know, just slowly weaned off all of that. And with each thing I changed, I've saw improvements. And so I just kept going and, you know, I've been fully keto for probably six, six, seven years now. And it, yeah, I just feel amazing as well.
1: So what do you say to those people? And I have them in my office all the time. Oh, I, there's no way I could ever give up fill in the blank. And around here we're surrounded by Italians. So it's often pasta. I could never
2: give up pasta. Yeah. There's a couple things. Number one, Maria is amazing at providing you with the things you want and the things you traditionally have had and just tweaking some of the ingredients so that, you know, it's a lower carb version. She has a Keto Comfort Foods cookbook that is awesome. It's got all those comfort foods you love, uh, just changing the ingredients up a little bit. Um, you can still have the same sensations, the same textures, and maybe even more flavor, uh, but just with some different ingredients. And
1: then the other thing I wanted to highlight here, and it's in the back of your book, Um, which is called keto. That's thanks for making it really easy for us. Yeah. Keto period. Keto period. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the book, you say you have a little section on what to do after you've cheated or fallen off the wagon. And since we're just coming off of the holidays. What's, mm-hmm. can you just, how do you get back? You know, you've been so good most of the year and you fight off Thanksgiving and then Christmas comes around and you have just, okay, just one Hershey's kiss. And then it's a York <laughs> peppermint patty. And then the next thing you know, it's all uh, everything. Katie bar the door.
2: <laughs> well, a couple things on that. Now, number one, we tell clients to journal how they feel after that. You know, if you've been keto for a while and you you've gotten used to feeling so good and having so much energy and all of that. When you do that uh, cheat or fall off the wagon, you you feel pretty awful for a day or two. And that's kind of, you know, when you're bombarding your body with sugars and things all the time, you just, that's just normal. That's just your new normal. But when you go keto and you find out how good you feel, you you really see how bad you feel when you go back. And, and when you journal about it, you can say, all right, it's not worth it. I, I remember now how bad I felt the next day or the next two days. um. So, you know, that's part of it. But in general, just getting back is just getting back to, you know, cutting out the sugars and starches and getting just get back into eating keto is going to get you back to feeling good, the, you know, the quickest you can.
1: It's amazing how quickly we forget how good we feel when things are going well and then how bad things really are when we're not feeling well. The, the brain does an amazing job of kind of leveling out the highs and the lows there, doesn't it? So I love the idea of journaling.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you'd say, you'd say the same thing for a lot of things like, <laughs> like kids, you know, <laughs> yeah. You, you remember the high times a lot better than you remember the low times. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, and
1: Germaine, to this podcast, Lime Ninja Radio, you recently were diagnosed with Lyme disease.
2: Yes, um, I uh, had. You know, I actually credit keto for keeping it under control as much as I was able to for the past five years that I've had the chronic pain. But yeah, I, I've been suffering with it for a while and. And it's been a learning journey for me because I think, you know, I try to look at the positive of it and that I am learning so much that we can then help other clients that come to us who might have limes, uh, you know, be able to help them with what we've learned. So, you know, I'm looking at it as a, in the positive light like that, but, you know, there was a lot of things that. You know, two years ago, I had a Lyme's test, a standard Western blot Lyme test, and it came back negative. Um, But I was, you know, three to four years into the disease already at that point. And those standard Lyme's tests are wrong. They have false negative rates over 50% of the time. And it's just not well understood in the medical community. And once I got the right test done, it came back positive about a month ago, and I started treatment. Which test did you came back to positive? I'm sorry. Positive. Uh, there's the Igenix test. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. That's they test more of the bands and it's a more sensitive test as well. Um, yeah. So that showed the positive Lyme's test.
1: And then how were you just going from doctor to doctor? How did you finally get a doctor to say, well, you know what? Let's send this to Igenix instead of the standard lab, you know,
2: whatever, you know, it's, Interesting, uh I didn't get any doctors that did that for me. (laughs) It was it was uh you know, all the doctors here, they're like, Well, let's maybe look at this, let's maybe go to a specialist and see if you've got some autoimmune disease, you know, these kind of things they because they just said they, they saw the negative uh Western blot result and said you don't have Limes. Right. Um But I've been I've been blessed to have through our publisher connections, they're actually writing a book on Lyme's uh, with some of the top doctors in the country on Lyme's disease. And he was the one who told me to get this test done. And so I just have an a integrative health doctor that signed off on it, and, and we got it done.
1: You know, that's one of my little soapboxes that I stand on. And right now, as it is with just the guidelines for doctors and the knowledge that's out there. Lyme disease is diagnosed, I say, over the backyard fence. Uh, yeah. and, and really it's a matter of people taking care of each other and just keeping that question alive. You know, could it be, could it be Lyme disease? Well, I had to test. Well, you know, that test isn't the best in the world. There's, there's other things you can do to get tested. So thank goodness for the community out there supporting you and hopefully they'll turn things around. As you know, it can be a, a long row to hoe.
2: Yeah, you know, it's probably a good year or more of recovery, but uh, I am on, I am again through my connections. I'm blessed to have, you know, some of the top protocols right now for dealing with LIMES. And I've been able to implement those through, uh, uh, I'm working with a doctor in San Francisco, which is another part of it. Finding a LIMES literate doctor that will work with you is, you know, getting the diagnosis is step one. And then step two of the battle is finding a doctor that can help you with the right protocols to actually turn this thing around a bit. Locally here, the one doctor I could find that was fairly literate was booked out, you know, four or five months. Yeah, And and so I had to end up going to a doctor in San Francisco who could get me in in about a week, and we got started right away. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear you finally got a good diagnosis (laughs) and and a good treatment plan.
1: Now, in your mind, Why do do you think, I mean, I have all my reasons too, but I want to hear from you since you wrote the book. Where does keto fit in with healing from this chronic inflammation, chronic pain type disease?
2: uh, I think there's a number of factors that it helps with. It's interesting because we have been helping Lyme's patients for years and, you know, we get them on a ketogenic lifestyle and they greatly improve. You know, they see their chronic pain go down. They see all these improvements. And, you know, getting out those inflammatory components, it's the, the sugars, the omega-6, you know, vegetable and seed oils, getting rid of those, which can easily be oxidized and cause inflammation. You know, getting rid of those inflammatory foods is a big step in the right direction to, to reducing your body's overall inflammation and, and helping with your symptoms. And I think also the ketone component of having elevated ketones, there's been some evidence showing that that can be anti-inflammatory as well. My personal journey, uh, you know, five, six years I've been in this, uh, and everybody's Lyme's situation is very different, but I, I, I think that being keto that entire time helped me manage it, the pain, but also helped it from progressing to the point where It got to neurological and those type of issues, which I never got to, even though I dealt with it for over five years. Right.
1: There is that, I mean, right now we're kind of waiting for even better testing to come along, and there's the whole argument and, and question of how much of chronic Lyme, is a continuation of the disease process, the actual bacteria of itself. And then how much of it is the body's own response? So more of like an autoimmune. Is it, is it one? Is it the other? Is it both? It's, it's, in my mind, it's probably going to be somewhere in the, in the middle so, and both going on. And since we're talking about keto and most of the people with Lyme disease know they have to cut sugar out. So they start there. They say, okay, I'll, I'll get rid of processed sugar. But, yeah, But keto takes that a couple steps further. So why would you want to take out dairy? Why would you want to take out grains? Why do you want to go this, these extra steps?
2: Well, um, a couple things. First of all, what you mentioned, uh, actually, uh, there's a documentary called Under Your Skin. And one of the doctors I'm working with, Dr. Klinghart, is on there. Uh, and you're right. There's chronic Lyme is probably a stem to a number of other issues that result because the Lyme breaks down the immune system and causes autoimmune responses to occur later on. Uh, He has never seen an MS patient in his office who also didn't test positive for Lyme. And he thinks it's similar for Parkinson's and maybe ALS, maybe even some Alzheimer's patients who is a had a chronic Lyme infection that was never diagnosed uh, progressed and led to a, the autoimmune type response later on um, that's one thing I want to point out first of all uh, and then your second point about keto and taking it to that level um, well first of all you know dairy can be inflammatory for some people and others it, it's not so you know that's one that some people can get away with on uh, a keto lifestyle, but to be safe, especially with the limes situation, we we eliminate that as well. But grains are very inflammatory as well. First of all, they come with a high carbohydrate load, and if you think of a complex carbohydrate, that's different. Well, not really. You know, complex carbohydrate is just a string of glucose molecules strung together, and as soon as it hits the GI tract, it gets broken into glucose. And you know, I saw. Uh, chart where they used whole grain bread versus white bread and the whole grain bread spiked blood sugar more than the the white bread did. I've seen so, that. Counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's more about understanding biology and understanding how our bodies work. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are actually doing zero carb for Lyme treatment or management where they basically just are a carnivore. They don't eat any eggs, no dairy, cut out all the veggies, and just eat animal proteins uh, and do really well with that. It's very low inflammation to the body. You're actually getting a lot of nutrients. It's probably the first question somebody to say is, well, if I don't eat all these fruits and veggies, how do I get my nutrients? Well, we have a whole chapter on that showing that you know, animal proteins like beef uh, stack up really well against just about any of these, you know, what you might call superfoods like kale or blueberries or any of those. Across the board, it has as much or more vitamins and minerals as any of those foods. So you're getting a ton of nutrients when you're just eating animal proteins.
1: So to back up there a little bit, do you, what about feeding your biome? Right. Uh-huh. So some sort of vegetable for that. But if you remove that all from your system, you're obviously not getting any any digestible fibers in there. So what what happens to your gut biome? And then are there any holes in that that, you know, like uh, a well-formulated vegetarian diet, for example, you know, for the most part, they can get away with that for a while. And then that, some people have to deal with a vitamin B12 issue. Uh, yeah. Or maybe a vitamin A issue, depending on how efficient their body is at, at transforming A over, um, in addition to some of the, the other, uh, uh, omega-3s there. So does like a purely meat, and I'm sure by meat, you're talking about organ meats and not just like muscle meat, right? Where the actual nutrition is.
2: Well, uh, both, you know, the, if you want to talk about a real super, superfood, it's, you know, beef liver or organ meats that are even higher than any animal proteins. So, you know, nose to tail eating, I think if you do it right is not going to really have any deficiencies. You know, there's, you talk about really the only one that you would mention would probably be, uh, vitamin C, but there's studies and uh, things that have shown time and time and time again that the lower your carbohydrate intake, the less vitamin C your body needs. And so, when you're eating a carnivore type diet, you might only need 10 milligrams of vitamin C, and you actually get that from meat. Um, so that's why people at are zero carb don't get scurvy. <laughs> you know, they're they're getting enough. Uh, because they're not eating any carbohydrates. Uh, but back to the part about the dig- digestible fibers, um, this is another misconception that also isn't well known is that um, the n- number two, number one digestible fiber for the gut microbiome is FOS, fructoagolosaccharides, which are small, found in small amounts in certain vegetables. Um, the number two, far Better than any plant fiber, is collagen. Ugh. collagen is uh, highly fermentable and is very good for feeding the mut- the gut microbiome. So, making sure you get those uh, little connective tissues and bits, whether you're eating uh, ribs or chicken wings, you know, getting those those collagen pieces in helps that, but. There are so many benefits to collagen across the board, whether it's skin health and keeping your skin young looking, uh, hair growth, um, joint health. There's so many benefits to collagen b- beyond the gut microbiome uh, that I supplement with it every day.
1: Do you do bone broth, or
2: do you take a pill? What do you do for collagen? I do just I do uh, straight collagen. Uh, do a couple scoops a day one thing to note on it it's protein but you wouldn't want to cl- include that in your protein goal for the day uh, your protein goal would be based on your lean mass and that's to ensure you don't lose any muscle mass or lean mass so you get enough protein uh, to supply enough amino acids to do that muscle rebuilding and growth and recovery um Collagen doesn't have the right amino acids to trigger uh, muscle uh, growth or the mTOR pathway. So um, don't include it in your protein totals. Just add it on
1: top. So speaking of protein totals and kind of macronutrients, what do you aim for and what do you think are good ratios for people? Is that a good place to start? Do you need to measure? Can you do the ketone urine strips? Do you need to go out and get the blood test? What do you what do you suggest?
2: Yeah, um, you know, there's a couple things. First, uh, to be keto, the m- main thing you really just need to do is get your carbs low enough. Lower your carbs to, we suggest around 20, 30 grams or less total carbs. Um, and you do that, and in a, two or three days, you will be showing elevated blood ketones. Now, I talk in the book about there's kind of th- three stages of keto that's stage one, uh, you still won't see the you know, big boost in energy and moods and you know, having your hunger, grow, hunger go away. Uh, that takes about four to six weeks before you really start to see that effect. And the reason is it takes your body a while to get efficient at burning fat as the primary fuel. And one of the ways that it does it is it actually creates more mitochondria Uh, And the more mitochondria, the more fat can be oxidized uh, for fuel. Um, And that's what takes four to six weeks to get kind of ramped up. And then you start seeing that big increase in energy and reduction in uh, hunger. So here's a question for you. So people
1: who have uh, irritable bowel type things, IBS, severe, uh, other problems. If they go on a cheat and uh, eat something that disturbs their gut, whether it's dairy, whether it's grain, something like that, that can, I find that often sets them back weeks in terms of their healing. So if you're yeah. on your path to becoming uh keto person, a ketonian. I've heard it said. <laughs> yeah. Do if you have a, a cheat day, if you fall off the wagon, you know somebody's birthday party comes up and you have a bite of cake. Is that going to set you back the same way? Will you have to start at square it, one?
2: Well, it, it depends on a lot of factors. Um, you know, it depends how long you've been keto. It depends how many carbs you eat in that uh spell how long you do it is it one meal or is it you know an entire weekend there's a lot of factors there i guess i would personally you know we're not saying you can't ever have you know treats or good things we just make them a little differently and <laughs> one of the things that we always tell our clients is be prepared you know if you're going to go someplace that you know there's going to be cake make one of our healthified cakes have it at home and you know then you can resist it there because you can come home and have a piece uh, of your own. So, you know, just plan, plan out and, you know, planning is key when it comes to this lifestyle is having things prepared or ready uh, to fight any temptations. So you can't just wing it, huh? <laughs> well, especially when you do a, a well-formulated ketogenic diet where you're eating whole foods so this is, you know, you're going back to cooking. And if you haven't been cooking, you've been eating, you know, processed meals or takeouts. Uh, you know, you're going, going back to using whole foods and making your own meals. And that takes a little bit of time and prep and, you know, planning. But we usually have a clients do some tricks like, you know, on sun take a couple hours on Sunday to prep for the week. Or to make a couple of crockpot recipes where you just put all the ingredients in a bag and then uh, throw that in the fridge. And then the morning you want that meal, you dump it in the crock pot, turn it on. And when you come home from work, it's ready to eat. So just a little bit of planning. And in
1: terms, so once you've got the planning done, you've got your keto treats in the freezer ready to go with you. And then you're out there in the world and you're saying, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing this keto diet. And then you have some well-meaning friends say, Oh, but that's dangerous. (laughs) So what are some of those myths out there? that you can just kind of shoot down for us. What are the big myths that are floating around about keto being in ketosis and why it's not good for you?
2: Uh, there's so many. Uh, well, you know, one would be uh, ketoacidosis. Somebody would say, well, you're going to get into ketoacidosis and you could die. Uh, ketoacidosis is when your blood ketones are usually, you know, above 15 and Simultaneously, your blood sugar is very, very high. And the only way that really happens is when you don't have any insulin around. Um, so this would be like a type one diabetic who's not managing their insulin. Uh, nutritional ketosis, your glucose would probably be about 80 and your blood ketones will be like one or 0.5. That's a, somebody, somebody could be in solid ketosis at those levels, which is nowhere near that level. Um, you know, then you start peeling back the onion of some of these other myths, you know, uh, ones that are popular right now are like the what-the-health kind of uh, vegetarian stuff that they they put out. Um, not, not even going into <clears throat> all the drawbacks of vegetarianism like you described as well as, you know, the proteins you get from plants. Some of them never trigger muscle sy- protein synthesis, so you never – rebuild lean mass and that's why you see people get frail and lose all this lean mass when they're eating that way because they're not complete proteins like animal proteins uh but you know not even going down that path too far the studies they cite you know like there's a popular one of you know eating meat like i don't know what it was once a day or something is is increases your risk of cancer as much as smoking and that was just such a it, it, there's whole websites that debunk this stuff uh but you know a lot of what they point to first of all are observational studies so that means that they take people and they say okay what did you eat over the last year <laughs> fill out this fill out this survey of what you ate over the last year i don't remember what i ate yesterday exactly and and so not very scientific you know solid evidence to start with and then secondly you know, there's confounding factors. If you look at, you know, this, the one study showed if people ate more meat, had more cancer. Well, was it the hamburger that they ate that caused the increase in cancer? Or was it the bun and French fries and chocolate shake that they ate with it? You know, they don't remove these confounding factors. They focus in on the thing they're looking for, which is they're they're trying to connect meat to uh, being bad, and it's it's just really you know correlation is not causation. Amen to that. <laughs> now <laughs> it's about anti nutrients. Since we're talking
1: about vegetables and yeah. vegetarians, and there are be- the benefits, no doubt, to eating low glycemic. Vegetables, they have nutrients in them, but plants also have lots of anti-nutrients in them. And that's what they use essentially to stay alive out there in the yep. wild. And these anti-nutrients can prevent absorption or counteract some of the nutrients that we are trying to get out of them. So let's, one of the things that happen with people Lyme disease, often their gut does get Impaired in some way, and whether they're having trouble absorbing nutrients or they are actually having damage there, so they're going back and forth with IBS symptoms. If you're struggling to absorb all the nutrients you can and you don't know about anti-nutrients, you, you might be doing more harm than good there, or at least balancing things out. So will you talk about anti-nutrients? I know in your book, you mentioned quite a few of them. You talk about the nightshades. Um, you talk yeah. about phytic acid. Can you just give an overview of that to help people kind of understand and get a little more sophisticated about getting nutrition from vegetables? Cause we do the, the, the zone is flooded as they say with information about how wonderful a vegetarian, a vegetable based diet is and Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's just it's just propaganda.
2: Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot to break down on that too. I could have dedicated a whole book to that. I only had uh, one section that I committed to it. But you know, if you think about plants, evolutionarily they you know, they want you to eat the fruit, so they put the sugar in it to entice and they don't want to kill you so they add enough uh antioxidants to combat the inflammation of that fruit you know one of the things about fruit is i believe it has just enough antioxidants to fight off all the uh, you know uh inflammation caused by the sugar in it uh so you get a net net zero of effect. uh but you know that they want the, you to eat that. They don't want you to eat their stalk, their leaves, their roots. That kills the plant. And so they have natural defenses in place for bugs and things that, uh, help defend themselves. And, you know, nightshades, they have glycoalkaloids, which are a bitter compound that, uh, helps fight off, uh, you know, insects and things. Uh, they act, as a neurotoxin that uh, blocks certain enzymes and causes these issues that, you know, some people are very sensitive to this. They can't have any nightshades. Um, But, you know, there's all these compounds. I just listed a couple uh, that these plants have as their anti-nutrients that they have as defense mechanisms and they can cause issues with your gut microbiome. You know, it can cause, you know, that leaky gut and, uh, these type of things, if if you eat too much of them. Um, and that's the thing, you know, there's always people pounding on meat is is a problem, and yet, you know, the, nobody ever talks about the issues with vegetables like this. And
1: with your clients, do you just recommend they avoid them? Do you talk about proper preparation?
2: A um, couple, couple things, uh, you know, we make... The protein, the focus of the plate, because we know we're getting the nutrients there. We know we're, we're getting the protein we need. We know it's zero carb. Uh, you're getting healthy fats with that. Uh, you know, so that becomes your focus, and then you know you can surround that with some uh, vet, uh, low carb vegetables. But it's not the focus. It's it's not where you're getting your nutrients. You know, most people they have this idea that they got to add two or three servings of vegetables to get their nutrients because they're not getting them if they just eat the steak well we're trying to shift that understanding to say you are getting them there make that your focus if you want to add some color texture and flavor with some vegetables that's great but you know make the make the protein your focus
1: and with protein as your focus and on a ketogenic diet you devote a whole chapter to hormones Yes. And will you just give, uh, like, what? why is a ketogenic diet good for hormones? And then specifically, I want to talk a little bit about adrenal and adrenal fatigue, because I think we see that a lot. Somebody who's dealing with a chronic illness has been fighting that off for years.
2: Yeah, um, <clears throat> so going back to the vegetarian situation, uh, one of the things that they have issues with a lot of times is having mood mood issues and, you know, depression and some of these things. And part of that is because they're not getting the right fats or cholesterol needed to build healthy hormones, healthy hormones. Uh, all of our hom- hormones are built off of cholesterol as a precursor. So getting enough cholesterol in the diet through, you know, animal proteins, eggs, et cetera, supplies the substrate your body needs to make healthy hormones. And that, along with saturated fats, contributes to an environment where you're, if you're getting enough, your body is happy and healthy, making lots of healthy uh, hormones, which puts your hormone levels to a more natural state for your body uh, when it's getting enough substrate so it's
1: fundamentally just really the building blocks to create the hormones and if you're doing a well formulated ketogenic diet then you've got those substrates there
2: yeah that's a big part of it you know there's other factors as well you know that with ketogenic lifestyles that have shown to help with you know testosterone and other things uh due to ketone levels uh but yeah that's a that's a big component of it
1: and then, so can you carry this conversation into specifically like the adrenal cortisol, uh, epinephrine, these type of hormones? It's like, what, what benefit does keto have on your adrenals and just energy levels and recovery, that sort of
2: thing? Yeah. So number one, uh, you know, limiting the carbohydrates and sugar will help with those levels, uh, help, Reverse the adrenal fatigue. Uh, you know that's a bit, that's like step number one. Um, and then uh, you know a lot of adrenal fatigue with cortisol. It's about other things than diet too. You know it's about trying to reduce your stress, trying to uh, add things in like yoga or meditation. Uh, sleep is a huge one. You've got to make sure you're getting. Lots of good sleep, and we have whole sections in here about sleep about how to get you know whether it's working with your circadian rhythms and blocking out the blue light in the evening to help with uh, melatonin production uh, prepping your bedroom get everything so that you get this good solid restful sleep to help uh, restore your adrenals
1: and I just want to begin
2: wrapping up here.
1: Um, I've got your book in my hands here, and I mentioned earlier uh, just how beautiful the book is. It's, it's such you. a great introduction to the ketogenic lifestyle, ketogenic diet, however you want to put that, and it covers everything. I mean, it's amazing. The book, it's, the book, <laughs> you think it's got, for all the information in it, it, should be like three times as thick. So it's, it's number one, it's not overwhelming. It's written for normal people like you and me. It's not written wow. for physicians or for researchers. Yep. It's got great illustrations in it. It, it goes through, you know, everything from fatty acid to metabolism. So in other words, how your mitochondria are getting fed through the ketogenic diet and burning fat instead of sugar. You know, to the practical, like what do you do when you fall off the wagon, which you talked about a little bit earlier. And it even has some menus in there. I mean, it's just really, if you're out there thinking about ketogenic diets, you're thinking, oh, it's a new year. Maybe I want to try something a little bit different and take my low-sugar, low-carb diet to the next level. This book is a great place to start. And I just want to say – Good job because <laughs> it really, i've seen a bunch <laughs> of these over ahead. the years, and this is you know it's really I have, good
2: I have a background in electrical engineering uh, and I did that for a number of years. I moved into product management, which is uh, product managers they need to have a deep understanding of the technical aspects of the products, but then be able to co- communicate and coordinate that to other individuals at different levels, whether it's customers, sales team, et cetera. So you you get a knack for uh, uh, taking complex topics and making them easy to understand. And that I carried over into this book and tried to make it as easy to understand as possible. Yeah, I mean, you can...
1: If this is your first time through, you can definitely skim it. If you're somebody who's a little bit nerdy like I am, you can pause and look through some of the diagrams and read deeper into the book and really get into mm-hmm. the science of it. And it's just, yeah. just really, really well done.
2: Thank you. Thank-
1: Craig, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're getting ready to head on a wonderful vacation with your family, no doubt, doubt, hard-earned. I do want to give you the last word. So whether it's a website or how people can get in touch with you or any last thoughts.
2: Um, Yeah, as far as getting in touch with us, uh, we have a blog with tons of free recipes and information. It's mariamindbodyhealth.com. And then we have a subscription site where you can actually get support from us to do a ketogenic diet and do meal plans. You can even be on a weekly webinar with Maria and I to get questions answered. Uh, That's keto-adapted.com. And, of course, we're on social media, Craig Emmerich or Maria Emmerich, or on Facebook at KetoAdapted. Terrific. And we'll be sure to put all those in the show notes.
1: Thank you. Craig, thanks so much for your time, and uh, thanks for writing this wonderful book.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. I had a good time talking.
0: One thing that I really loved about Craig Abnerick's book is it really is a textbook. It is a ketogenic diet textbook. And
1: he does cover everything. He
0: covers everything. So if you don't know a lot about the ketogenic diet, please go ahead and buy this book, because by the time you read through it, you will know everything.
1: Exactly. My previous quote unquote Bible for Mm -hmm. the ketogenic diet was Jimmy Moore's book called Keto Clarity. Mm -hmm. And Craig's book is a good update a good replacement. It He has a different take on it, a different approach to it. It really kind of appeals, I think, to a little more on the scientific side, a little more on the geeky side. It's not that Jimmy doesn't bring science into it because he has, I forget his author, co-author, a physician co-author with it. So it's very well researched, Jimmy's book. Jimmy's book is a little more accessible. It's meant for a lay person. I find most people with Lyme disease are incredibly smart and, given that you're listening to this you're one of those incredibly smart people so you may want a little more scientific it's got charts and graphs things like that craig's book is for you check it out yeah also for those of you on iPhones and iPads head on over to iTunes that's a lot of eyes in there yes, iPhones iPads iTunes and leave us an i review Just kidding. Just leave leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us move up the rankings and be seen by more people so we get the word out. And we could really use your help doing that. So if you have a moment right now, just go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. And for feedback, just send an email to feedback at Radio.com. The good, the bad, the ugly. We love to hear about it. You have any suggestions for... Show topics, things in the news we may be missing or not talking about. Please, feedback at com. We read every email. Yes,
0: we do. Also, if you don't know your Lime score yet, do yourself a favor and head on over to com front slash tracker to fill out the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker.
1: If you haven't done this yet, what are you waiting for? dot .com, .com, front slash, tracker. Just go do it. It takes seven minutes. You'll be glad you did. We're almost finished our top 10 transcript project. Stay tuned next episode or so, and we'll give you the full details where you can order this wonderful book that we put together. And if you're in the New England area at the end of April or you like to travel – Come join me at the Midcoast Maine Lime Conference. I'm going to be the MC. We're going to have a ton of fun. Aurora thinks I should get a t-shirt cannon.
0: I think it would be a good idea to get a t-shirt. Cannon.
1: How about a confetti cannon?
0: Ah, uh, that might be a little too intense. But t-shirt messy, cannon, right? yeah. Anyway,
1: definitely. we're going to have. I promise we're going to have lots of fun. So if you're in the area, or like to travel, or just want to come to Maine at the end of April, it'll be beautiful. Come join us. It's gonna be a blast. April twenty eighth, Midcoast Lime Conference. Just Google that and you'll get the information on registering. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete without the Lime Ninja fact of the day.
0: Did you know ninjas can unscramble eggs?